This edition of the Generations Radio program originally aired in 2019. For additional shows on hundreds of topics, search our archives at generations.org. Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. I'm the homeschool father of five. We've educated five of our children in our homeschool out here in the eastern plains of Colorado for, what, the last 28 years? Bill Jack, also in studio, homeschooling dad and involved with Worldview Academy. Well, today we're going to talk about, well, raising boys, probably more than anything else. Uh, this subject affects boys, and I would say that the modern school system has disenfranchised boys more than any other thing. Of course, the modern education system has abandoned God's word, has abandoned the fear of God. It's it's wrong in a thousand areas, but uh, I think there's also something of a ruinous effect of modern systems upon boys and girls. So there's a negative effect that uh, governmental systems, centralized systems, centralized controlled programs have brought about in the lives of hundreds of millions of children over a period of 50, 80, 100 years. America became the strongest nation on earth on the backs of homeschools and one-room schoolhouses uh, until the ex- experts showed up. And then we centralized control in state departments and then centralized control in the National Department of Education. And the rest is history. Uh, this is how you destroy education, friends. You, 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 indeed, American education is worse and worse. It's nothing like what it was in the latter part of the 19th century. American education is substandard and becoming increasingly substandard all the time. But, you know, that's not just the educational system that contributes to that, but it it is something of a factor. The breakdown of the family, the breakdown of fatherhood, all these things contribute to the breakdown of a nation. But uh, education plays a part. Certainly, if you don't teach the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the fear of God, you're going to have a substandard education, Bill. If the foundations are jacked. Yeah. The foundations jacked. The, if the foundations cracked, the house is jacked. Oh yeah, the foundations yeah. cracked. The building's jacked. Okay, yeah. that was it. All right. So Esquire magazine has a long feature article on ADHD. I didn't, didn't realize this, Bill, but uh, I thought the psychotropics had kind of flattened, but we're still riding the hyperbolic curve on this one. Yeah. Over at least twenty years, it's been a twenty-year ride on the hyperbolic curve and the increase of the use of psychotropic drugs and ADHD prescriptions in America. Uh, there, this has been the last, uh, the last 20 years have been something of the worst 20 years in the history of America in terms of almost every index. You think about illegitimacy. You think about the percentage of kids uh, born without fathers, their kid, their parents are getting divorced, or the shack-up rate, or you look at the uh, number of kids on uh, psychotropic drugs, or, or the number of suicides, or the number of kids... And adults that are dying of drug overdoses. You know, you look at every one of these indexes. I'm not sure we have seen an improvement in any of the social indexes. I can't think of one. Can you think of one in the last 20 years? No, no. And it's again, I think you can lay it at the doorstep of the of the classroom of the school. And according to this article, by the time that uh, they reach high school, nearly 20% of all American boys will be diagnosed with ADHD. It's 20% up from 5% back in 1997. It's, I'm sorry, the incidence of ADHD is seven times what it was in 1997. Bill, seven times what it was in 1997. The number of kids born outside of wedlock is seven times what it was in 1960. Wow. But the percentage of kids 
on ADHD, Ritalin, whatever, is up sevenfold since 1997. We're not talking 1960. We're talking just 20 years ago. Over 20 years, you see a seven-fold increase in ADHD and ADHD drug use. Now, 20% of U- U.S. boys have it. I, and that compares to about 5% in Europe, Brazil, South America, as elsewhere, which means that there's something of four, four times the incidence here in the United States over what you find in Europe. That's really interesting. It's more of an ABD. Somebody said this is an American boy disease. Yeah, we're, we're uh, as, as the article points out, we're treating childhood as a disease. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, because because there are, there are consequences to to uh, approaching it that way. And we'll hear more about that. Let's take sure. a break and we'll talk a little bit more about what is ADHD? What's the definition? I'll check out WebMD on this one when we get back on the Generations broadcast. Hang in there. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we are back on the Generations broadcast. This is Kevin Swanson, Bill Jack, also in studio with me today as we talk about ADHD up sevenfold on incidents, drug use for ADHD kids since 1997. That's just 20 years, Bill, a sevenfold increase. I didn't realize it was so high. The number of boys have been diagnosed with this disease. But the first question I want to ask is what is it? WebMD gives a definition. These are uh, hyperactivity among boys and girls, trouble paying attention in school, demonstrating behavior that interferes with school life. Now, let me ask you, Bill, what percentage of boys at, say, six, seven, eight, nine years of age have trouble paying attention, are hyperactive, and demonstrate <laughs> behavior that interferes with school life? You know, approximately. What percentage yeah, yeah, of boys yeah. would have trouble there? Right. There's, and part of it is that's the nature of boys. Well, yeah. That's a part of it. Well, yeah. It's, it's the issue they don't fit in with a social system. They don't they don't fit in with the compulsory attendance law at five, six years of age. They must be bolted to a desk for 6.4 hours per day. And if they're not, they are going to have to fill their veins with Ritalin. You, you follow me here? Is there something of a social agenda that comes with a government-imposed centralized control 
on little boys and girls, and some boys just can't quite manage it. What what percentage of little boys diagnosed with ADHD would do better if they weren't uh, subjected to these uh, these these social controls? Do you think? And it's interesting because they keep rolling out t- studies and policies. And in the study of the years between 2003-2007, the years in which a new policy was rolled out, the authors looked at children between the ages of 8 and 13. They found that among children in many low-income areas, ADHD diagnoses increased from 10% to 15.3%. That's a 53% increase in just four years. Wow. That's huge. And then the consequences of this are that you you pump them with Ritalin and Adderall. But one study showed that 48% of subjects who took ADHD medications experienced side effects like sleep problems, mood disturbances. In another study, 6% of the children suffered psychotic symptoms, including thoughts of suicide. We've got a problem with over-medication. We've got a problem with allowing the state to try to parent the child and not knowing the personality of the child. Who knows better what a child needs than a parent? It's not the state. It's not the school. It is the parent who should be in charge of education. And yes, there are behavior problems. Boys and girls both have different behavior problems. And that's up to the role of the parent to guide and instruct and to discipline, if necessary, students. Well, um, I I would say that uh, you're looking at boys that, for the most part, are active, and they demonstrate behavior that will interfere with school life, and sometimes even with home life. But uh, if if a mother has a hyperactive boy, I, I, I recommend that they try other things before drugs and before they submit themselves to the expectations of the world around them. Let's let's try this. This is my list. I would like to offer for families that are dealing with a little boy who is a little more active than the average. Now, this is something of a sliding scale. You have to admit, Bill, if you have more than two children, if you have more than three boys, you realize that some boys are more active than others. Um, here's my list. First of all, take away all electronics and all flashing screens and the distractions and diversions that effectively are destroying modern man. All of the diversions, all of the distractions. I wonder what would happen if we took away the flashing screens. I wonder how many children could focus a little bit longer. I wonder how many could perhaps, you know, spend maybe more than four minutes focusing in on one particular subject. If you took away the flashing screens, don't let him have a flashing screen when he's two, three, four, five, six years of age. I was in an airport, I think it was in Dallas, Texas, last week, and there's a woman down there uh, who was getting ready to get on board. It was right there at the gate, and she had four daughters. Billy, probably anywhere from two years old to nine years old, four daughters. All four daughters had their own iPad to keep them out of mom's hair while she was updating her Facebook, her Instagram, and so forth and so on. Um, The average four-year-old Bill is on screen 4.5 hours a day. It's unbelievable. And, 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 you know, all of the established medical associations are saying it's all problematic, flag on the play, flag on the play. They're concerned about this, and they're trying to tell parents this, but parents need this to babysit. You know, they need – the iPads, they need the electronic entertainment. 
They need the four and a half hours. It's me time. They need, they need their kids on the electronics when they're three, four, five, six years of age. But here's my list, friends. Take away all electronics. Here's number two. Minimize sugar. And, and that might, that may involve minimizing breakfast cereals filled with sugar. That, again, these are suggestions. I'm, hey, I'm going to hey, suggest you, a list. You, you've here. gone a step too far. I like my, my Fruit Loops. Well, Bill. Uh, it's know, actually not Fruit Loops. You're, it's you're, corn pops. You're not a two year old, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if uh, I'm eating cereal, I'm acting like a two year old. I'm sorry. <laughs> so minimize sugar here. Let the boy go outside and feed the chickens and, and sell lemonade and earn some money. How about that? Get him away from the school desk until he's eight or nine years of age. Read out loud to him for two hours a day. See how that works out for, you know, four, five, six years. Two hours every day mom reads out loud. He, 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 he's not – see, someone's going to come back and say, yeah, but the compulsory attendance law requires that. Well, how about you just get out of the box on this one? How about you enjoy a little liberty in Christ? Where in the Bible does it say that an eight-year-old has to be at his desk five hours a day He's got to have Plato down at 12 years of age, and he's got to be factoring trinomials at 11 years of age. Where, where, where does it say that in the Word of God? You, but you say, yeah, but, yeah, yeah but, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Those our those systems little, require it. Yeah, yeah, but. Those are those little flop-eared things that hop across your lawn. You've got to smack them down, those yabbits. Yabbits right. are the, will kill your garden. Yeah, yabbits yeah, will kill, kill your, your garden. garden. They'll kill your garden. Yeah. Exactly. Take away electronics, minimize sugar, let the boy go outside, feed the chickens. Get him away from the school desk until he's eight or nine years of age. Read out loud two hours a day for, oh, five hours or two hours for five years. Bring a mother into his life. Get rid of me time, mom. Bring a dad into his life. Get rid of me time, dad. See, I'm just suggesting... In lieu of drugs, what would we do? What would we do if, if we wanted to do something different? Let him run around the house and yell a little bit. Maybe even jump on the sofa, but only once a week. <laughs> Just try to keep him under 60 decibels about 60% of the time. So, again, you know, maybe you just need to allow for a little bit of it. Where in the Word of God does it say that a little boy can't run around the house and yell a little bit from time to time? See, again, parents have this impression that their little boys have to be just like this, like right now. Some have asked me, you know, how long should a two-year-old be able to sit still during Bible time if he's got ants in his pants? So, you know, people ask questions like that. And my answer is I have no idea. Right. It's no it's up to the individual. It's up child. to every it's child, up to the every parent, individual every family. Parent. You got it. Yeah. I don't know how many ants in his pants are there yesterday versus today. I have no idea. Yeah. I I don't know how much he loves you and how much you love him. There's relationship that plays into this too. All right, so let him run around the house a little bit. Pray with him. Sing hymns and psalms throughout the day. And here's one more thing. Number nine. Try sandboxes. Sandlots. P- people don't know what these things are. You got to look that up in the dictionary. What's a sandbox? Yeah. What's a sound like? How about how about uh, how about jungle gyms instead of screens? And use the rod in love and obedience to God's word for cases of express disobedience. But of course, do it in love, discipline in love. If you if you did these things, then we can talk about whether the boy really has an issue. Personally, Bill, I think only two of these on my list would be what most boys need. In other words, I don't think you have to do all ten of these. I think just pick two or three. 
Yeah, parents just pick the, two or three. The, I think they'd be okay. The ten are in the arsenal. And, yeah, and the, the toolbox. And and parents need to realize that you're not the perfect parent. That's right. But you're the perfect parent for that child because God mm-hmm. has chosen you for that child. Mm-hmm. So just remember that. Yeah. You're never going to be a perfect parent, but you're the perfect parent that God has chosen for mm-hmm. the child he has given you. Mm-hmm. So take a deep breath and plunge in. Well, I, I think the system is destroying boys. Most boys aren't made to be processed through a totalitarian system by these bureaucrats. So, so what, what I'm saying, friends, is you're probably going to have to go through something of a lifestyle change. you you got to oppose the zeitgeist at other areas. If, if you want to avoid the 20% of our sons on Ritalin, you're going to have to avoid the system that requires 20% of the boys on Ritalin. For example, you know, there's not much discipline in the schools. Well, one way to discipline is to get parents involved. Another way to discipline is to use Ritalin and close down his mind so that he's not as active and perhaps not as creative. By the way, it's interesting that um, Thomas Edison was taken out of school for being addled. Do you know mm-hmm. that? Yeah, he, he was, was considered addled. To be addled. He was which means hyperactive. He wasn't. He was. He had ADD. Added. Adult was the, the old version of ADD. Um, so was Ansel Adams. So was some of the geniuses in history. Um, but thankfully, they were not put on Ritalin. We're thankful for that. Well, this I think is a result. This whole this whole overdrugged thing, Bill. I think is a result of the over labeled, over hypochondriac society we call America. In fact, I don't, you don't hear the word hypochondria anymore, do you? No. Remember how we used to use that word? Like, yeah. Like it's, a hypochondriac was somebody who just they, – they were looking for another label. They were looking for another disease. They were looking to find something else wrong with them. In the medical world, it was like fake news. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't even talk about that anymore because nobody wants to even think that anybody has hypochondria. But friends, America has become this over-medicated, over-anxious, over-hypochondriac society – very worried. It's interesting that the richest nations are usually the most worried nations. Why is this? Well, before Obamacare, I was talking to a homeschooling dad out in Utah. He's a heart surgeon. And, and talking about social, socialized medicine, you know what he said? He said socialist medicine is inevitable because Americans are afraid to die. Hmm. And they will spend every dime of their neighbor's money to keep their carcass alive. They will redistribute every single dollar left in America to keep themselves alive. Socialist medicine is inevitable, he said. That's what this heart surgeon told me. Hmm. Also, I think um, Americans are under the false impression that science can solve their problems for them. Right. And that money can solve their problems. And that government can solve their And that problems. government can solve their problems. That's so right. therefore, the public schools are the solution. Yeah. Or, or things like and, this. And, and heavy-duty medication and socialist medicine is the solution. But think about this, friends. Self-reliance is very sketchy. We're rich. We're self-reliant. But then we're not. There comes a moment you realize that you're not reliable. Even with all your money, you're not reliable. Man's not reliable. And this comes back in flashes. So we worry. We're anxious that somehow our money will let us down, that somehow we'll run out of money. Even if we have $10 million, why is that? Because ultimately, our trust is in our money. Our trust is in man. Our trust is in science. But 
we, we, we always come back to the concern that perhaps, just perhaps, science won't solve our problem, money won't solve our problem, government won't solve our problem, and we won't solve our problems. And so this self-reliance always flips back into this anxiety. And that's why America is so anxious. That's why America is addled. That's right. So Psalm 118, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in yourself, to put confidence in man, to put confidence in government, to put confidence in science. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Why? Because we trust in God. A nation without faith in God is a nation that resorts to anxiety. But Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And here's the final point. If we brought prayer back into the school, maybe we wouldn't have these anxiety issues and behavior issues, just something to toss out there. As we wrap up this program, friends, let me encourage you to teach the Proverbs to your children. Teach faith to your children. Don't raise your children in the fear of disease. Raise your children in the fear of God. And raise your children in faith, believing, trusting in God. We need to study the fear of God. Take fear 101, fear 102, fear 103, fear 104. And then teach your children faith 101, faith 102, faith 103. Don't convey a message of anxiety to your kids. Don't convey a a message of reliance upon government and medicine and everything else. Convey a message of faith. Pray with your children. That may have been the most important thing that we mentioned. Pray for your children and teach them the life of faith. That That is what Jesus taught his disciples in his discipleship program in the boat as the winds and the waves arose around them. Teach the lesson of faith to your children. And that wraps up this edition of the Generations Radio Broadcast. Let me encourage you to our Proverbs Bible Study Guides as a basic beginning of a time in the Word of God. Uh, Really, the core of a biblical discipleship program is found in the book of Proverbs. Why? Because the book of Proverbs was written as a father's instructions to his son and, of course, inspired by God himself. It's God's wisdom. So give your children the book of Proverbs. That's why we've done three Bible study guides on the book of Proverbs for families in this country in Mexico and other places around the world. We have it in Spanish as well as English. Uh, The Proverbs Bible Study Guide series available at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.